You don't have to live with chronic pain. Downtown's Health can show you a better way. Joint pain, back pain, pain that sits and waits. Downtown's Health offers an alternative with physical and regenerative therapy. Call Downtown's Healthcare at 303-292-9992. Now in Lowry or downtown. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. The following is a presentation of the Bellip Sports Media Network. Well, no, what I'm saying is someone's still going to win. And it might be weak. If, 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 I know, field, you know, if just for half the field is playing badly, you know, with golf, you can easily say, oh, the course must be hard. They're all playing bad. You know what I mean? It all kind of comes back to earth a little bit. Sergio has been like, ah, I can't wait to leave this place. And welcome in everybody. Another Tuesday night here on Divots and Pivots. No. And I don't know about you guys, but no. I'm whoa, whoa, whoa. Andrew, Bunch right out the gate. There. Fresh out the gate. What? Scott, can you hear me? I can hear you, yes. Damn. Can you hear me? Already. Well, why, why are you derailing this the nothing. second we enter the show, bud, tonight? What is up? <laughs> he doesn't he doesn't I don't think he thinks he can hear us. We can hear him, I mean. I can hear him. He sounds great. Can you hear he me? Sounds, yeah, I hear you. It's a, love you, bud. Anyways, <laughs> another, another Tuesday night here on Divots and Pivots. I don't know about you guys, but uh, I'm off this week and my days were all thrown off. And uh, I, I took a little nap before the show, woke up and it was like 5.30. And I thought it was 5.30 in the morning for at least a half hour. And <laughs> I was all th- I was all messed up. But anyways, uh, as you can see, we have a special guest today. We have Scott Simpson, uh, nimble with well, nimble with numbers, nimble W numbers on Twitter. You can find him. Uh, Scott, welcome to the show tonight for our, for a little bit of a pivot episode for us. Yeah, no, thank you for having me on. You know, we we've been trying to get together for I don't know years. Um, yeah, it's been a while. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, it's been a busy time in uh, football, in life, just in general, and so. I'm really excited to get a week off from school, and that's what keeps yes. me busy is the kids and, uh, you know, do it for the kids. And uh, now I can just be at home. And, of course, it's my third podcast of the day. So we're just like, let's get all the podcasts in in one day that I've been missing. Uh, so I'm excited. This is like the, you know, three strikes and you're out at the end of the day. So I was going to say so much for taking a little break, I guess. But, but when you put it on the one day, I guess it's, it's all right. We'll get to we'll get to that a little bit later. Yeah. Uh, but but Bud, long time no see. Bud, how are you? Me uh, For those who did not see on Twitter, I think I put it out there. Bud and I went and played a little simulator golf today. So we have some stories from that for sure. Um, my magical putter uh, almost gave me the upset win. But uh, once again, we'll get to that later. Bud, how are you in the last couple hours since I've seen you? I mean, I'm still riding high from that. I'm a little upset about the intro and the audio, but let's be honest. I came in two weeks ago talking about poop, so 
Um, <laughs> it, it's real, man. I mean, Scott, you've got a daughter. You got. We all have got kids. You never know what what, what curveballs coming at you right at the last moment. Um, no, but he did. He did. Uh, Andrew Leduc was sitting there dropping bombs from 25, 35 feet out on the I'm, <laughs> tomato sauce. And it crept up on me. We got what we get to 16 and I realized shit, I'm only three up or no, I was, I think I was only six up and I had to spot you nine and I did predicted it correctly. I had two, yeah. birdie, birdie or two coming in and you shit the bed, but it was a lot of fun. I lost by one he shot did. after the strokes. I was given one stroke. <laughs> he did. He did beat me in beer pong. We played an hour of games after that. So can we we'll really, that. can we really call it a win though? <laughs> I, I hit one cup and that was it. <laughs> Scoreboard. I mean, shit. Yeah. That's enough to that's that's enough to win a World Cup. All you need is one. Right. Right. That's a fair point. But yeah, so Bud and, Bud and I hit uh, the simulator. It was a lot of fun down at the clubhouse. We look. New Year is coming. Expect a lot of fun stuff, including more uh, content coming live from the clubhouse in Middleton, Mass. Um, you're going to see a lot more of us there. So stay tuned for that. Uh, but yeah, as as I said, we got we got Scott here. It, it, it's a bit of a pivot episode where Bud and I have been gearing up for the upcoming uh, kind of main golf season that will be coming after the New Year's here when we're going to get back into our betting, uh, back into our own personal, uh, I guess, contest against each other where I'm going to finally, finally uh, show Bud how it's really done instead of spotting him a bunch of fake bets uh, last year so he can beat me. Uh <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a pop-up right there. <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, so look, we're here. And, uh, Scott, the main reason I wanted to have you on this row, first of all, Scott's over here from uh, – he's an analyst over at Fantasy Football Millionaires and at Chalk Block. So make sure you go check those out. All of his great content. Uh, he's one of the more consistent fantasy football uh, analysts I've seen out there on Twitter. Great talk uh, – you know, great guy to talk to. Uh, so make sure you you follow him. Get uh, Check out all of his stuff. But, Scott, I wanted to have you on here because every now and then we do these pivot episodes where we kind of – the the sports talk – kind of takes a backseat we still use it as a way to to, to drive the conversation but um we, we like to get down and dirty with, with the real life and uh, kind of, like you know both bud and i we're, we're trying to and i'm assuming you as well this is something that it's a hobby for now but it's something that we want to try to really do something in our life it's our passion it's, it's what what we as bud says it's uh your, your current job is your future former nine to five that, that's how you say it, right nailed it uh <laughs> this is future former nine to five but like I said, you were one of the first people I connected with when I first got into the space, and, and I followed you ever since. And uh, you've been a great kind of connection in that sense. Uh, but over this past year, you have even actually longer than a year. You, you've really put your personal life out there it, on, on the main stage and and on Twitter and, and in the public eye. So I guess the question I want to, and you can share as much as you want, but the question I want to kind of jump out there is with is was that natural for you to really share your own personal life, your, your journey with your family uh, and the, you know, everything that you guys went through or was there a, a sense that was a sense of that that was scary to you? Yeah. Was it just natural for you to come, you know, you're, you're a teacher, you, you kind of live in, in front of people every day. So was it natural or was it more scary than anything? Um, I would say it was not natural at all. I'm a very private person when it comes to my, my real life, you know, so Scott Simpson isn't my real name. I mean, it's part of my name, but it's not my real name. And uh, so it's really funny because everybody in my life knows me by Jesse and then all that's my name. My middle name is, is Scott. And so it's also my dad's name. And so when I decided to go by Scott Simpson on Twitter, um, my best friend was like, that's interesting. Uh, you know, it's okay. It's, you're not really who you are. And I said, no, it's who I am. It's just a part of, 
of who I am, that the public's going to get to get, if you're going to get to be me, I'm going to be me. Not thinking that I would, um, you know, a couple months later, a year later, um, have a daughter who was diagnosed with cancer. You know, I didn't really think about that. And so the night that she was diagnosed, I, I didn't know what to do. Like, I just, uh, I knew something was going to happen. I knew it was going to be terrible. Uh, I was by myself at my house. My wife was at the hospital with London. And when I got the news, it was so overwhelming. I just had to, like, tell Twitter, like, so, somebody. Like, my mom, my mom and dad knew. People knew. But, like, I just, I, it was such a big weight that I was just like, I needed help. And I asked. Mm-hmm. I was like, hey, pray for me. I got bad news coming. And then once I found out what it was, I, I let people know. And I put it out there. And uh, the whole fantasy football community just, like, swallowed me up with love and with relationships so like i'm i'm here not i didn't think i was going to be a podcaster or a fantasy football analyst i was just a guy who loved it so much i followed all the people and jj zacharyson and uh you know uh denny carter and just all, all the, the kind of the underground younger fantasy analysts i love dave richard i love you know matthew berry all those people but it was more about being in the the twitter world of, of talking to these analysts going back and forth and having more of a fun relationship more of a um you know, it's it's a glib relationship, but it was it was, it was fun. Like you, you really felt like I kind of knew these people. Um, and then when London got sick, Danny Carter reached out to me and said, "Hey, uh, can I do a podcast about London?" And I was just like, "Man, I, I yeah, go for it." And he he kind of pushed her name out into the fantasy space, and uh, people just loved her. You know, and they just jumped, they, they embraced her. And I never really, if you would have gone, if, you know, if I would have gone back and done it all again, maybe I probably would have done it differently. I don't know. Like it was just in those moments I was re- reaching out for help for t- to really anybody in my life. And uh, I had so many people reach out from fantasy. Not that my real life didn't like lots of people did reach out and care for me in real life and uncles and grandparents, all kinds of stuff. But to have people I didn't know in a group of people that I did love and want to be a part of kind of bring themselves and me together, uh, that's kind of why I started doing it. People just started, Hey, come, come on my show. Let's just talk about fantasy. And uh, next thing you know, I, I probably have done, I don't know, like 300, 400 podcast episodes in the last, you know, three years or something. And so you've been busy. Yeah. Yeah. So much so that I'm trying to not be as busy, you know, and that's one reason why we haven't had to, to yeah. you know, have the chance to talk is because I think, you know, being able to manage it all after you start is uh, is a challenge for me, particularly I, I'm a guy who like, let's go, let's do this. You know, and my wife's like, I'd like to spend time with you and I'd like to see you. And I'm just like, who, who are you again? You know? So. Well, and I think that, I think a lot of people who listen to our show are, is like us who are trying to either move forward in the space, enter the space, whatever they're, they're trying to, they watch the show and they, they enjoy it. I hope, but I think it's a lot of people who are also in this, in the space the connections we've made. So, Obviously, the balance of real life in this is is huge. It's something that, you know, I mean, I've gone through a ton of changes this past year myself, obviously with divorce and moving like five times because of that. Like this could easily could have taken a back step and maybe it should have at times. But what was the point where because you, you mentioned it over the last few months, you've kind of, you have taken a step back very publicly to your choosing, saying that you wanted to to kind of spend more time with the family like was was there some t- sort of like tipping point that you just it's something snapped and you said you you want to step back or was it just kind of this slow progression that uh you just needed to take some time 
You know, I think at the beginning of every football season, you you think bigger than you are capable of when it comes to content mm-hmm. creation because that drives you forward. That push, pushes you. I'm going to do this. 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 You know, yeah. and then you get into the real life every week, and you're like, oh, that's going to be the hardest thing I've ever had to do in my life if I do this, 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 this. this. You can't. You have to adjust kind of how you can process reality because I mean, I watch every game too, so it's not like yeah. I just talk about it. I like spend time researching about it and then building 150 DFS lineups about it. And then, so that, that does not take no time. That takes a lot of time. And then, um, you know, for me, a typical week would be podcasting on Monday and then writing on Tuesday or sometimes writing Monday too after, after the podcast, writing Tuesday, Wednesday, podcasting Thursday, Friday, uh, and then Saturday I'm, you know, put my lineups in and then Sunday I'm flying, finalizing it. You know, so it's, it just becomes every single day, which is fine for me. I'm, I love that. Um, but having a wife uh, and children and uh, trying to do everything, I think, and be everything for everybody. Um, because as a teacher, I've got 25 kids in third grade and they need a lot of support. They just do. This yeah. is society. You know, like we're propping up society right now. So, uh, which I have been for a long time, but society <laughs> needs a lot more propping than they have ever needed in their life. They just, uh, you know, there's a lot of need with COVID and with, with, you know, homes that are really impacted by poverty and things. And so, I'm dead tired at the end of the day. And then I got to come home and like, you know, got job two, which is family. Then job three, which is fantasy analyst. And then I got to make sure I'm current on Twitter. And so there's just, there's a lot that goes into a day. Oh, I have a dog who um, my wife always tells me she looks, she wants to go out. Look at her. Look at her. She's guilty. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Don't you feel bad? Shouldn't you? I'm like, oh my God, I took her out this morning. Ah!" (laughs) And and with all those things, like I, I, the, the burden of it. And, and writing particularly is is immense. If, you, if you're a good yes. writer, your words are going to be out there every single week. And so, I mean, I've got fancy writing since 2019 out every single week of content, you know. So it's just it, – I just took a break for me. And, I, and that, that was the hardest part was stopping writing for my own uh, publication because when I first started writing for NimbleWNumbers.com, I was writing for my job and I was working 80 hours a week and they broke me because I was a, a an analyst. I, I, I didn't analyze uh, – kids i analyzed teachers i was um something called a consulting teacher and what we do what we did uh was you mentor new and, and underperforming teachers and you coach them you go in and observe them you support them you give them help so that their kids can meet standards and they can do well you know you want them to be able to pass and so it's working 80 hours a week and a lot of it was writing technical writing and in october of 2019 they broke me and i just i just I'm like, nope, I'm not doing this for them anymore. So I didn't quit. I quit the program, which is fine. After two years of doing it, but I started writing that Friday night. I bought a website. It was nimblewnumbers.com. I stayed up the whole night. I just wrote an origin story. Like, this is, I love football. I have to write about football. I have to process football. I need to talk about gambling on football. I need this. <laughs> I, this is what I got to do. This is what a man does is he gets, he hits 40 and he's like, fuck, what's important in life? And it was writing, you know, about it. And so. I was more sad this year about that because I wasn't getting paid for it. It was, but mm-hmm. but at the same time, I hit fifty thousand views this year right when I quit. Like it was like the like I quit, and then a couple of days later, like my website said your articles have seen fifty thousand views and blah blah. blah. Uh, you know, I was like, visitors. Or I, was, I was like, oh man, that makes me feel so good that I accomplished it. But it was also nice to not have to work and to write so much every single. Because when you're writing, you just you just write, 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 and then yeah. at the end, you're like. 
I hope it, hope it helps. And it, I didn't know it did until people get got feedback afterwards. They're like, hey, I missed your writing. Live. What's going on? You know, and I'm like, didn't know you cared, but I'm taking a break. You know, <laughs> so, I, it's for my own mental health, too, because I would I will yeah. kill myself just by working. Like, I'll just keep going. And that's what I realized when I was a consulting teacher is that I just I will work 80 hours a week for, for not any extra money because I was I get paid as a teacher 40 hours a week in this program I was in. I would have to go and like observe teaching and have to write about it. So I didn't get paid any extra for any of the time I had to write. So I was yeah. like, well, I'm, I'm going to do that for a school system. Which I don't even want to do. I'll do that for me for free. And I believe in it. It's football. Like I'll do so more <laughs> disappointed in me that I let down me. Um, but long-term picture, I think it's better for my mental health and for my family to be with them, you know, spend more time with them, help them with homework, be, be with the dog, like just not be stressed, you know, cause there's a little yeah. bit of stress that comes with trying to produce all the time too, where you're, you're on and you're focused and you're in 10,000 retreat groups, which I was, and, um, <laughs> feel the burden to push all the content yours and everybody else yes. to be, because here's the thing, like. Not only are you part of a, a team, a group effort in those in those retreat groups, you're grateful for them. Like you're like this, we're part of a a good group of people who are in the same boat. Like you said before, like content creators, producers who are trying to to share our art, and just you know, it's a lot of work. You know, honestly. So, um, but I'm not going to not work. I'm not going to be done. I, I still love <laughs> talking, and I'm, it's easier to talk than it is to write. So I'm just going to put sure. my my beautiful face out here and let people you know mince the words up and figure out what I'm doing, you know? Well, you got the voice for it. I mean, so <laughs> the worst. I get the, yeah, I get the face for radio. They've told me that. Yeah. <laughs> but over here doesn't, but, but Bud's the, the star of the show over here with his face. So <laughs> if that's what we're banking on, then I'm going to go ahead and tell my broker to cash out right now. I, Scott, you know, what's funny is I actually have a similar quasi similar backstory. And I was, a, I was a teacher for seven years. I taught middle school creative writing for five of those years. I was a, uh, I was a mentor teacher for first year. I was a mentor teacher for first year teachers. And, and you're right where, when you're doing, it wasn't an, it actually wasn't an official program. I had a stipend the whole bit, you know, we had benchmarks. This was down in Florida. And so we had benchmarks. We had to create and all that, you know, all that good stuff. You, it is a second job. You're not getting paid for those hours, but I mean, you take them on because you are invested and it's like anything that you're passionate about. Um, you know, you put your heart into it and same thing happened to me. And we are 17 minutes in the show before my first camp reference. And that's when I had an opportunity to leave, leave teaching and go work at a summer camp full time as the director of operations. And it was a phenomenal, just like break from this directional path that I was on. And I went and played in the woods for a couple of years. And then I came out in Boston and I just came out the other side down in Boston, slinging software, B2B sales. And I kind of like looked around. I was like, all right, it, it, what was fun about it was getting the hell out and just kind of going on this wander lust in my late twenties, early thirties and coming out the other side. But in that entire journey, what I discovered is just like you, there was something specific in my life and it was golf. And when I left Florida and I came up to, I chased a girl to Maine, my roommates from Maine and we got married um, her dad is the maintenance director at the camp where we, where we met and then we got married there. It's a beautiful love story, but she let me drag her around for a while while I was finding myself. And in that I found the absence of golf was genuinely was something that was, that was kind of wearing on me. I didn't realize you couldn't play in the fall and winter in new England, <laughs> idiot. And all my summers were spent working at this camp and it was, it was a wonderful life and it was very simple, but literally the game of golf my wife started figuring out she was like you know you've been kind of grumpy these last few years 
And when I started introducing it back into my life, then I found out the people I was playing with, I found about, we were talking about it. And then uh, this guy reaches out and says, anybody out there know about the game? And I was like, I do. I know nothing about fantasy sports, but I know a lot about golf Been raised around it my whole life. And we connected on that. And this entire year of 22 has been this kind of dance of dipping my toe into the content creation over here and putting a couple weeks worth over there. Cause I got a two-year-old. And, and so, you know, you're pointing out this, this idea of when you find something, you lock into it and you have to have a little bit of balance in there. And this is actually going somewhere. Cause it came back to in the classroom, you're still teaching, right? Oh yeah. I, I heard you reference your third graders. 20th year, 20th year this year. Yeah. Oh, God bless you, sir. Like third graders. I, I did seventh grade for seven years. I did one year of kindergarten PE and kindergarten PE was the shit, man. 30 minutes with coach bud and go back to your class. You know, you, well, yeah, because they, they have to listen to me. I mean, I got a whistle and for 30 minutes right. you get to play and you have the ball. So, I mean, and, uh, yeah. Where does the, where does the world of fantasy and that, that passion intersect with the classroom? In, a, in the competition realm, there's something in the younger generation that, you know, for a couple of decades, we, we did, we, oh, we empowered young people. We continue to empower them, but almost to, we didn't want them to feel bad at times. And we know that competition is good. Competition drives that. I think that's why we lean into fantasy. It is competition. 150 draft lineups. You're not doing it just to make your socks roll up and down. You don't want them to hit. All right, you want to see, and you want to see the fruits of your labor. So is there is there any kind of intersection between those two worlds that can drive you know the classroom experience that and, and help this next wave of young people think and grow confidently? You know, I, I would say whatever um, endeavor you're engaging in, right, um, having a sense of self and understanding what your goals are and what you're trying to get out of whatever it is. So we play a, a simple game. Uh, called silent speedball, which is a competitive game. You have a, a soft ball, right? And you got to throw the ball around, no talking. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a control game, right? No talking, you're out. You drop the ball, you're out. You do a bad throw, you're out. You do a pass back until the end, you are out, right? And so um, you, you got people, you got uh, monitors of people who are talking. You know, you got different people watching. You've got the rules guy who does the voting, all these different things in the, in the classroom. I've got kids who cannot play the game. A couple kids, they cannot play the game because they get so intense. They get so angry. They cannot accept reality. The ball hits off their hands. They get out. They start getting angry, whatever it is, right? Emotions start coming out. The goal is always for them to be able to play the game and for them to grow in the ability to um, access that that opportunity, right? Because you want everyone to be able to play it. Um, But I would say right now what's happening with kids and what they have to get through is, is feeling bad about yourself is okay. It's actually the stepping stone to growth. It, it's it's becoming consciously competent, whereas previously you were in unconsciously incompetent is a nice way to say it. You're stupid. You didn't know what you didn't know. Like you just you didn't know it. And someone came along and you experienced something. You go, I can't do this. Oh no! And that's a normal part of life. And what we do is we find that out when we compare ourselves to others. You know, so whatever it is, and, and you're going to do in life when you do in a comparative norm situation, you're going to to see other people better than you, you know? And so you got to get used to those things. And so that's a part of fantasy is just losing, just being a, a, a consistent loser in sport. You're going to lose uh, and getting kids to understand it really builds your character to lose. And when you lose, you can kind of adjust your perspective and it's good because it helps you get back to reality and that you're not supposed to win all the time. And that when you win, you're supposed to be grateful for your wins and you're not uh, entitled to anything. You earn it. So it's, um, you know, it's hard with little kids because they're third grade. They're just, you know, whatever. But I mean, those big ideas, I think, in 
forming a society that's built on um, equity and, and, you know, knowing yourself and being able to grow and be able to, you know, meet these needs and challenges that you face through sport, whatever it is. Um, it helps them, helps them get better. And, uh, they love playing the game. Like it is the shit. Like they're just like, it's my manipulation tool. I'm just like, all right, well, looks like we're losing sound three ball this afternoon. That's not a good choice. That's, you got to pick it up table four. You know what I mean? They're like, ah, table four. They're out of sound three ball. Oh, no. <laughs> somebody mentioned, I'm like, but I was at, the, I was in the bathroom during that. I'm not part of that. I'm like, all right, you're in, you're, you're part of table four, but you're still in the game. Like, yes. <laughs> Looking at their table mates, like, still there. Oh. I'm gonna put silent speedball. I'm gonna we're gonna we gotta suggest to the Ocho. I saw the other day that competitive competitive combat juggling was is an oh actual thing. Ah, real true story. I, I still was, like my all... idea of it with the throwing the knives at each other. I was gonna say for knives combat. <laughs> no, that was, that was his first question. Sadistic over here. Nah, they're only like using like plastic <laughs> bowling pins. So you mentioned something that I think is super important. And I, I baseball was my my original sport. I didn't pick up golf till I was thirteen and um, it was just a natural kind of crossover with hand-eye coordination, and, I, and, it, and it really stuck with me. But when it, when my baseball coach would talk to us, he would reference the, the Hall of Fame all the time, and he would say, to get the Hall of Fame in the pros, you have to fail 70% of the times. And he would just let that hang out there. He would say, you know, those benchmarks, batting 300 sounds great. That means you're failing 70% of the time. And to to swallow that or, you know, to be comfortable with failure to the point of success. That's what you're saying. And that's why these little games like silent speedball are so freaking important because 180 days in a classroom, roughly give or take. Yeah. And if by day 180, Johnny finally ball bounces off his hands or Sarah drops one. And she, instead of flipping out, just goes, <sighs> okay, that's a success. That's a year. Right. You put it up, you, you hang it on the wall. That's a huge success. Now, another part of success you mentioned is comparing yourself to others because the entire year, Johnny and Sarah were looking around at their classmates and feeling bad because they weren't catching the ball. Who are you looking, who, who did you look around in your space or who do you continue to look around in your space and kind of use them as either an, a direct measuring kind of fence post or measuring stick? And then who's somebody or what's somebody that's out there in the distance that you're like, that's a direction I'd like to go. I don't use the word. Good Lord, Junior. I don't use the word plan. I think plans yeah. are plan, plans. Plans let you down. Um, I do think plans are good to execute action, but direction is what I'm talking about. My mom always preached direction. Yeah, I mean, I, for me, I think it is uh, maybe lots of different people, but I'll give you, for example, like Denny Carter. He's been doing the CD Carter 13 for you know um, 10 plus years, and he's amassed uh, you know almost 50,000 followers. Well, first five years he didn't have any followers. You know what I mean at all, and so. Um, you just, you see the growth of people over time and you see just the swings and misses and I'll go onto his, even his Twitter now and I'll, I'll see funny jokes. I'm like, only a hundred people like that. That sucks. Like I should have had five, 5,000 people like it or whatever. And so just seeing the consistency of how like, okay, you just can keep putting yourself out there. It, sometimes it's funny and you think it's funny and no one ever sees it. And you just eat the L. You just go, oh, man, that was the best joke ever. Or you see someone else do the exact same thing as you, and then it goes to the moon. You're like, but I said that like a minute earlier, and I did the same gif. Like, what the – how – why is it that? Why is it me? Why is it me? Yeah, all that. So I think one thing is you you can look for other people's fence posts, um, which, I mean, Danny's – you know, I've got, you know, 12,000 followers whatever. He's got, you know, 50. So it's not the same. Um, but at the same time, you can only compare yourself to yourself because you're the person who you have to grow against. That's the problem with the kids. They're looking at other people. <clears throat> And not that they they shouldn't emulate people who are great. That's what you do. But you don't compare yourself to anybody else's uh, self. 
in, in anything you really do, uh, unless it's something where, um, you know, fancy DFS, I mean, you're comparing yourself to somebody else, but I'm saying for your goals should not be uh, based on anybody else's success, should be based on what you can do. And so, you know, for example, in my class, I got kids who are working on multiplication, different tables. It's hard for them to do their eights. So they're not doing as well as other people. They can be discouraged and they look over and, oh man, he, he knows his eights. He can do everything. I don't know. What about last week? You knew three last week. You, you did 15 this week. You know, So it's about measuring yourself, I think, in the industry against yourself uh, more than anything else. Because if you do look too much to other people, then their successes or failures can then uh, give you a self uh, that's not really based on you. You know, it could be either I feel too good about myself now or I don't feel good about myself at all because they're so good uh, where, where it's more like what I need to do to grow, honestly. You you actually – that's the personification of – I've talked about – I've been on this rant. You may or may not have heard it because I've been around the world a couple of times. No, we as a human species have been around for thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years. The internet and instant access to information has been around – for that long in, 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 in relation to our developmental brain. So for years, we had a natural filter structure to young people to introduce them to things like failure in safe, you know, confines or like summer camp. I mean, or, you know, li- or little league or girl scouts, boy scouts, whatever it might be, neighborhood parties, everybody had that. And all of a sudden, you know, we, within the blink of an eye, we can all just find anything out. And, and quite frankly, you know, as a parent and as parents, you know, that's something we have to, you know, live with the fact that even if we don't give them a phone, if they're not directly in our vision, they, I mean, they can probably access the Internet, the library or at a friend's house. And so having that kind of quick access to information, you nailed it. It gives them this sense of I see I like doing this. I see somebody over here doing it and they have 450,000 views on this one post. Why can't I be like that? And. And I don't know what it is. It's 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 the it's the instant the 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 instant gratification, the dopamine hit. Because like you said, five years no 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 followers. Five years later, fifty thousand followers. And 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 it's a great kind of example of you keep chopping wood, you keep working at it. All right. But how? But how do we? How do we instill that? I mean, this sounds like a couple of Gen Xers, you know, saying "Get off my lawn." Uh, but I mean, it, 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 it it's like you know, patience. So it's coming back. How do we keep it coming back? <laughs> Well, I mean, honestly, it's a good question. I I think in your life as a person, you need to be challenged by people, right? And I think that's part of it. And so for me, I grew up by with a dad who was all challenge. You know what I mean? Like as my baseball coach, he got the best out of me, but but I had the the I felt the best about myself, but I had the worst experience, if that makes any sense. Like it's like having a good football coach. Um, my dad would yell at me when we were there. He'd be like, you know, what are you doing out there? He'd just be so aggressive because my dad was a crazy man. And um, it would work. It would work. Like I would have so much. He's like, you know, Jesse, I just need to fire you up out there. You know, and I'd be like, OK, OK, cal- calm down, old man, because you're you're scaring everyone. Uh, and then I would like play like a maniac. I was baseball. Like you said, your first sports. So it was, my dad loved baseball. So he made me do baseball. Well, I wanted to do football as a kid too. It was like the, the forbidden fruit. Like we don't got money for that, but we'll play baseball full spring, summer, and winter. <laughs> I'm like, okay, dad, thanks for making me do what you want, but okay, whatever. Uh, I was good at it. I like playing baseball, but when, when you had that, like, you know, person pushing you to be better, it was very helpful when my dad was not my coach. 
probably hit like 450 compared to my dad being my coach at like 600, you know, because you had that extra just like, oh, mm, I got my dad with me. I'm going to bang you out, bro. My dad's back there yelling at me. I'm I'm afraid of him, too. So you I'm, or I'm not as afraid of him as you are. You know what I mean? So whatever it was like, you could, you know, I, I liked it a lot. And so in society, you're not saying everyone needs a dad, but we need more than a dad. You need lots of dads, moms, aunties, uncles, cousins. And so, you know, COVID kind of made it so people have not had a lot of that social, you know, in the last couple of years. It's been different. It's just been a different society. And so um, I think we need to get back to that, like just community, just being together, just, you know, um, talking like this is great, too. You know what I mean? So just ha- having really opportunities for people to interact more and more and um, I hope that we don't get too individualized in, in the years to come. I hope we swing back from the individual to the group uh, a little bit more. Um, and not that the masses are always right, but I think that there's, there's more wisdom in looking at how all of society is impacted by something than just the individual of America, which is very much me, my, I, uh, instead of kind of us, we together, you know, so. Yeah, two things can be true at the same time. You can be an individual with wants, needs, feelings, you know, blah, 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 blah. And you can be part of a larger organism. That's called, that's called community. And what you're reaching and what you're not reaching, what you're, what you're exhibiting or what you're talking about is mentorship. You know, whether it's a parent, grandparent, big coach, whatever it might be. I mean, sometimes it's a friend that provides that role of, yeah, uh, Jiminy Cricket or coach or inspiration, you know, teacher. A lot of, a lot of folks, it's a teacher. And so we really, like you, you nailed it, COVID, we had this natural organic pipeline of communication, kind of cyclical that was growing really quickly because of social media and the internet and everything like that. And then it just got, it was almost like, let's play a little experiment. We literally played, played an experiment. Everybody just cut it off and let's see how important human interaction is. How right. important is it? How, how important is it to see each other's faces? Now, not, I'm not, I'm not anti-masker or anything like that. I'm saying like, we know now, like, God, that does suck. It does have that kind of impact because facial expressions are so important to each other and not just the development of kids. That's of course, but even as humans, like walking into a grocery store and being able to tell the difference of like, should I say hi to this guy or is he having a shit day? He's having a shit day. I'm just gonna keep my head down and go, or they're looking up and you want to give him a smile and a wink and a nod. (coughs) And so as we come out of this, it, it, it is, it is being a little vulnerable like you have been. And when you do that, when you put yourself out there, um, listen, Twitter has the reputation. Stereotypes come from a place, right? Oh, yeah. and, and and a lot of times it is just repeated patterns of good or bad behavior. So a lot of times people say Twitter is a cesspool. Well, it can be. It that. can be. And it absolutely can be if you go on there looking for that or if you allow that into your world. But if you go on for genuine reasons like you did and you're looking for, like you said, I don't know, I needed an outlet. And it was either I'm going to scream outside my door. Right. And and maybe maybe I'll hear my echo or maybe I can kind of scream out over here and maybe somebody else will hear me. And you were heard and look where you know, look where it got you. And so I think the lesson there for the young people, too, we talk about failure is vulnerability. And that's why good mentors, good teachers and and safe experiences for young people, child all the way up to Andrew here. Um, we have to continue to provide those, those safe experiences to have risks, take risks, fall down, scrape a knee, bruise an arm, you know, hurt your heart a little bit and, uh, come out the other side. Cause it's not easy, but it's doable, doable, yeah. doable. It's, it's doable. <laughs> County. But I actually, by the way, spent lived five years in Duval <laughs> County down in Jacksonville, uh, Barcelona, 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 Barcelona. <laughs> I, I like how like when you like when I when I went to Spain in Barcelona, it was just very understated. And now 
it's like everybody is like the most flamboyant, like, oh, yes. I Bar- Barcelona. That was one of the Barcelona. You know? <laughs> so funny. Um, do, 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 you I, prefer, do you prefer mozzarella on uh, your uh, pizza? Parmigiana. Mozzarella. Now, I mean, honestly, I think, too, about the, the vulnerability. Uh, I didn't plan on, on being that vulnerable with my family necessarily. But I will say I'm not on Facebook. So I don't really do Facebook. It's something that I don't really do. Um, and one I think I liked about Twitter in the space I was in is that it's not full of racists and, um, you know, uh, bigots and hateful people. Um, and most people who like fancy football are just normal people. And sure, you get jerks and sexist people and whatever. But just it's really um, a, a group of people that I got to meet at the Fantasy Expo last year and to actually see in person and high five and meet and shake hands. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it was just a, a really great group of people. A lot of men, you know, <laughs> there needs to be kind of more women in the space. Uh, I'm not going to lie. But uh, and, and Twitter, but Twitter is a lot more men, I think, uh, because of the cesspool reputation. But there's a lot of women who've carved out amazing spaces and safe spaces to 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 be in. Um, though I don't get the stuff that they get, you know, the, the DMs and the advances. So, but uh, I, I will say that it's it's a place where I was hesitant to share my family with a little bit because of the reputation. But uh, it is opened up so many people to sharing their story of of survival of cancer or of whatever their their um, kind of hardship has been, whether it's been something that they their, their daughter or, or son didn't survive even. You're just mm-hmm. any, any, really just you know, kind of connecting with lots of people in, in tragedy based around something that you're, you shared an experience with or that they are sharing in an experience with you now. And so I haven't been able to help a bunch of people because of it, but I think I've been able to be helped by a bunch of people. Um, and if people have reached out, I have been able to reach out since London got diagnosed and she she uh, is doing well everybody so that's the it's a, it's a good story for us yes. um but it, you know it, it was um it was humbling just to hear so many other people who have gone through it and you kind of just were your eyes were open to the perspective of, of of people suffering in general around you that you did not know about and that you were kind of just lacked self-awareness and life was good and you just love love and life and you do what's right and everything goes well and then as soon as something bad happened we were just like oh man so many other people in life are also going through the situation. So it kind of just helped me, I think in general to, to be vulnerable and then to accept other people's vulnerability too. Cause they would, people would share things with me that were very deep and it's hard to process sometimes, but you realize in this space, they're just being themselves and the best way to be yourself. And that is just to be honest and just, and, and that was kind of part of my keystone of who I am is I can't not be me, you know? And I think Twitter was a spot where I could just come out and say what I wanted and do what I wanted and be who I wanted and it's fun. Like I like. I'm not mean. I'm not hateful. I'm just, I'm fun. I love teasing. I love making fun of me. I love making fun of Dallas Cowboys fans or Giants fans. I'm listen. I, no hate against Steffi Smalls. She's not in the space really anymore for fantasy football. But yeah. at one point, I tweeted out a year and a half ago, two years ago, a, a, like a 30 pack of Miller Lite, an angry Eagles fan, a GED, and a DUI certificate or something. And I just said the NFC East starter pack, you know, <laughs> and, and she was so offended. She was like, I'm going to be a doctor. You piece of shit. You know what I mean? Like, I was an Eagles fan. You know what I mean? I'm like, I didn't even, it could have been anybody in the NFC East. Though, let me tell you, honestly, you know, I mean, just, so I, I'm an NFC East. I born and raised 43 years in DC area. So I understand yeah. you know, it's the same asshole in all these different places. They just, 
They have a, a different group that has, like, you know, uh, colloquialized them in their little suburban assholiness. You know what I mean? Like, if you're from, you know, I don't know, from New York, you're kind of a different asshole than from Philly, but you're still an asshole. You know what I mean? Like, it's just a different breed. And then down here in the DMV, people are just, I mean, they're ridiculous. They're insane. So they're delusional. They think the, the commanders or the Redskins are going to win every year. You know, I mean, it's it's not great. Um, the fans that are left, I mean, I don't know. I'm not a fan. So, and then the Cowboys, oh, my gosh. Every drunk guy in any bar ever is a Cowboys fan, and he's got a Cowboys jersey on, and he's loud, and he's obnoxious, and he's going to tell you why they're going to win the Super Bowl again this year. So, you know, that's, that's how it's it kids. It was a long rant there. Sorry about that. No, hey, you know what? That's long rant. So it was what this show is about, but is the, the, the provider of them most of the time. So it was nice to see him take a, a backseat to one for once. <laughs> I, listen, this is actually, this is getting a little, this is almost kismet. I was born in Fairfax to make this story oh. even more funny, right? So lived there for about six months till my folks kept on marching south to Jacksonville. And then I was a Floridian for most of my upbringing in the north in Jacksonville and Tallinnasty. Uh, but Tallinnasty, 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 Tallatrashy, the Redneck Riviera. It's all true. HPV Pavilion, whatever you got. <laughs> the... That's funny as shit. Sorry, the, I, have, I have not dropped that one before. That was new. That's funny. The 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 etymology of the word sport comes from you know old English. It was actually derived from a French word. It was like d'esprit or something like that, and it was for amusement, a play, uh, escape. It really, it was literally, it, it was any any item that allowed you to escape and have fun and be amused. And so we don't get to play football anymore. Like I I, I couldn't even. I couldn't get through a bullpen session, let alone give you, you know, a dozen pitches, right? Like that's just not in the cards anymore. I can play fantasy baseball until the day I die. Right. And so I think it's about finding purpose in, in, you know, purpose in everything you do, you know, sunrise to sunset. But if you can find purpose and you go out there and you're vulnerable in that space, like you said, you're going to find other people there who are there for the right reasons. There's going to be some people there for the, for the wrong reasons. George Carlin said it best. Every group, handful of winners, and then some losers. Like yeah. that's you know that's that's it. You got a handful of losers, got a handful of winners, and everybody else is pretty normal. Like you said, they just want to talk about fantasy football. They want to chirp the they want to chirp the Cowboys. They right. want to feel better about their. They want to escape their reality and come out here. It's literally called fantasy. I mean, it's in the name, you know. Right. So I, I think it's to, like you said to the folks who take it a little too seriously or. I can take I can take being upset. Listen, I'm a Georgia guy. You don't think that Tua Tagovailoa that still stings? Come on, second and twenty six. I still my He's one of my good buddies whatever. went. To, one of my best buddies. He still he he still texts me every once in a while because he went to Bama. He'll just randomly second and twenty six. I'm like, you dick. We won last year, and he's like, we have seventeen of them. I'm like, oh. <laughs> and and it is. It's that kind of world. But uh, the moral of all this is basically that vulnerability and risk are essential to life. Failure is essential to everything. And the sooner we can get young people and not in the way that Scott, I'm sure you can back me up on this. Sometimes insecurity overrides a young person and they almost celebrate the failure in an, in an unhealthy way. It's the kid who gets an F on his spelling test and he turns around and like, yeah, and it's like, I get what you're doing, buddy. You're trying to mask it. That's not, that's not what we're talking about. You know, you right. can fail and fail gracefully, but failing gracefully around people who are good mentors, I think is the, uh, the key to success and the key to any kind of recovery or growth. Yeah. I'm, I'm, no, no question in there. Just uh, there end at the rant. Agreed. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, look, in my own what I have found in being vulnerable to people, whether it's on internet or, or in person with people is that like you guys have both alluded to when you're vulnerable, it opens the door for people to be vulnerable. And I think that is, especially as men in this day and age, I think men need to feel more comfortable being vulnerable. I think it's a, it's a, it's a situation in society that, you know, you, you put up that persona you got to be tough. You can't have feelings. You got to kind of keep everything balled up inside. So I, but, and I've just found that it, the more I'm vulnerable, the more I'm open and honest with, What's going on in my life, the more people around me tend to also uh, then feel comfortable to open up. And I feel like that's me doing my part. And yes, it helps me to get it off my chest. But at the same time, the more that any of us can open the door for other people to, to take that step out of the, you know, the, I guess, for lack of a better term right now, don't take it the wrong way, but out of the closet. Like you got to be able to come out with your emotions and you got to uh, be, be able to be honest and, and kind of share with people because that's, I think what you guys are both saying, that's the way you're going to move forward in life. That's the way we're going to grow. Uh, yeah. So if you're going to get anything from this episode, anyone listening, that's, I think that's a huge thing that I would love to push out there more. Yeah. And I don't want to like sound um, trite and say, Oh, it's hard being a man. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's I hard think, being anybody. I think it's hard being anybody. I would say one of the challenges in being a man, having grown up in society, in American society, is that you are not taught to be vulnerable with other mm-hmm. men. You're taught to be tough and not to reveal yourself and to not show your feelings and to not have feelings. Um, and, and if you do, you, you know, it's kind of like brushed aside a little bit. And so um, I'm grateful that I've not experienced that. I have a best friend in uh, um, the Ralph Macho. His name is Mike Collins, but he's been my real life best friend for 25 years. And so the reason we started mm-hmm. the Fantasy Millionaires was out of uh, best friendness you know, coming together and we, we, you know, done kind of little mini podcasts and stuff over the years, but we'd never done a real one. And uh, so, you know, and then my, my podcast with Bo McBrayer was based on a, a friendship and a relationship that just organically started from DFS, both just heads yeah. just want to talk about it. And so, you know, I think the, and there's different, different relationships everybody has, but I think the thing that's helpful for me in, in, in these is these guys are both vulnerable there. I can not just on the show, but in real life, just share my life with them. And that's what we need to be able to do is to be able to talk about our failings and our problems and our you know, relationship issues or, our, you know, anger issue, whatever it is. I mean, everyone processes life in similar ways and to be able to have people, men for, you know, men to be able to talk to men about it. I think it's important. I think, you know, it's helped me not to be um, as like uh, my, my perspective is very much my own until you share it with someone else. And they're like, well, yeah, I mean, I see your side, but then there's also, you know, the other side and you're like, Oh, oh okay. I'm not, I'm not always right. Shit. Gosh, that's terrible. I don't know what's going to do with that, but. Well, and you don't, and you don't really know when a friend or a group of friends is going to be that support system for you until you take the chance that they are. Because I know for me a long time, my, my close group of guy friends uh, up until just this past year, when I was going through everything with my divorce, like I didn't, give them the the chance to, you know, I, it was like in the back of my mind, I was <clears throat> resentful that I didn't have close guy friends that I could do that with. But once you really sit back and reflect on life, you start to think, well, when did I really try? Like, mm. when did I give them the chance to do that? And then I found once I did, they were exactly what, you know, I'd been mm. wanting in my group of friends and they were there the whole time. So you, you, you don't know until you take that shot out there. You, you just take a chance. And if you feel comfortable with something, just open up and talk. And I think 99% of the time you'll be surprised. Yeah, people are human. Like, they go through the same experiences. Yeah. And this is actually being a New England guy with – this is a perfect kind of pivot question, not away from the topic, but kind of rope in a, a sports-related question. Mac Jones is getting raked, raked across the coals up here in New England. 
Um, you know, and, and not even just for his play, yeah. but also his emotional displays, his, his kind of, you know, some people say tantrums, other people say he's fiery. Um, you know, he was that, that dive play with Eli Apple, somebody did, you know, cobble together four clips and there's like, uh, Mac Jones should be ashamed of these four plays this year. Our first question to that person is, all right, or no, not, it wasn't this year. It's like in his first two years of the league. Yeah. yeah. My first response to the person is, let me follow you around with a camera for 24 hours a day and <laughs> find right. four moments you're not going to be proud of. But that's a whole other argument. Really, what I wanted to circle back to is uh, Brady left, and here comes this kid who is wildly skilled, talented. Nobody can question his actual ability as far as like, I can throw it, I can read defenses, blah, blah, blah. He's showing emotion. He's doing kind of what we're talking about in the sense of not bottling it up. So, and, and when you're talking about sports and the, and the motors are running high, you know, where who gets the benefit of the doubt of saying that person's being fiery and who, you know, who gets chastised for it. And, to, and, and Scott, to your point, how much of it is driven by this old notion of men need to just deal with it. So if you do let it out, you don't have control of it. And I guess what I'm saying is you said, you said some, you know, no, we're not trying to be trite. Listen, curiosity, empathy, and respect is my little personal mantra. And, and, and so I actually like you, Scott, I have perspective. I'm not trying to be up here like, Oh, poor white man. You know, I'm not doing that at all, mm -hmm. but in my world, or at least in the sports talk world that we're talking about right now to introduce this idea of Mac being representative of the younger generation who is a little more vulnerable or has been empowered to that point to kind of wear it on their sleeve. This is me unapologetically, right? That's the way a lot of young people are presenting themselves for the right reasons too. We empower them to do so, but now do we have a responsibility to guide them and say, this is how you channel it. This is how, you know, this is how you drive it. But is, is, is Mac emblematic of what we're going to see more out of new football players? The next wave of football players uh, is the old school way of just show up, shut up and, you know, march on. Is that dead? Well, I mean, I don't mean to, to, to draw direct comparisons, but he reminds me of Cam Newton sometimes um, when it comes to his attitude. So I think we've, we've been seeing this too. Um, I think it, it is, um, it's just indicative of um, somebody who's been successful, who expects to be successful, and then they're not being successful. And they're, they're for the first time, you know, kind of hitting that, what do I do next? Uh, and so I, I'm not against fieriness or passion or wanting to play better or wanting to express yourself on the field. I think how you do it and to who you do it and how, you know, you, you kind of do it on live television does kind of matter. Um, and so I'm not, I'm not going to judge Mac Jones. I will say people will, when you, um, show up your offensive coordinator, by the way, who is a terrible offensive coordinator, by the way, it's a quote unquote offensive coordinator. Right. Like, <laughs> so like I've, I've been under terrible leadership in my life and I understand the frustration. Uh, and I, I just, I don't think it's, it's a, a catch all for all of young people, but I mean, see with Kyler Murray too, like there's, there's a, uh, an attitude that, um, is not like Brock Purdy. Like, I'm just happy to be here, boss. Like, I'm mm -hmm. just trying my best here. I'm just going to, it's more of a like, man, what's wrong with you? Or what's wrong with, you know, I must. That man told his coach to calm down. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, I mean, his coach should calm down though, too. I mean, yeah. That's a good looking man though. Here's the, pro right, here's the problem. None of these people are wrong. Right. Mm -hmm. It's like they're all like what their emotions are, are hitting on things that are accurate. It's just kind of how you process that, I think, is indicative of your success. And so um, 
I think you can process it by being emotional, but then what do you do after that is the next step. And so I would say, turn that emotion into action in real life, yeah. in the film room and the, whatever it is in the talking with Patricia about how to process it. So, but I, yeah, I don't also don't like sports radio culture in general because it's very much emotion driven. It's very much like either like I'm proven right. I knew this team was shit. I told them to draft Mac Jones. Holy hell. How about them apples? Or, it's just like, you know, um, this is what they need to do to fix the problem. You know what I mean? You're like, oh, my God. So I don't like the, the waves of, of emotional men in their 50s and 40s <laughs> calling in and being <clears throat> about things that didn't go right for them. You know, but I would also say Mac Jones does look kind of immature uh, when he's yeah. you know, wildly. Well, and I think we are. Well, yeah. I think we're living through Matt Patricia's offensive <laughs> internship. It's and it's the stupidest it, thing. It should be done here soon, hopefully. Well, here's here's the, here's two things on Mac Jones that I'll say is that <laughs> he with with the situation with Patricia Judd, it, it, even though it's more so Patricia now, there was an opportunity there for Mac Jones to step up as as a leader. There was a, there was a, a an opening on that team for someone to really step up and take charge and be the leader they needed. And yes, it, because like you alluded to, his maturity, I don't think. He has grasped that and and taken advantage of that, and and I so I do believe Mac is part of the problem, part of the the failure of the Patriots this year. The problem, you know, but you brought up the Eli Apple hit or play, whatever you want to call it. Here's what I have an issue with that: people getting on him now, calling him nationally a dirty player. Which yes, I know there's been some other instances, you know, the sliding and then the foot up, you know, raising his foot. There's been other instances where he's made some questionable calls. Just last week. At the with the debacle that was the end of that Raiders game, everybody was nationally too was saying that Mac Jones should have done whatever he had to do to bring down Chandler Jones. Yes, he wasn't going to be able to tackle him cleanly because of the size difference, but I heard people on national radio saying he should have grabbed him by the face mask. He should have she should have jumped on his neck, you know, cut cut him, done get, literally given examples right. left and right of dirty plays, and then the yeah. very next week he does what can be seen as a dirty play to make sure he makes the play, and now they're crucifying him for it. That is where – that doesn't add up to me. I'm not going to – was it a dirty play? Yes, probably it was a dirty play. But but don't knock him for that when you were just calling for him to do that. As an immature player, young player who was probably listening at this point to way too much media coverage on himself, he's hearing all that. And he's – I think it's very clear that he's reacting to it on the field with his emotions, with the plays he's making. I think it's unfairly – it's unfair to knock him for that type of play, dirty or not. Can I tell you a quick story? It's not my story. Yep. Here, in Washington, here in Washington, uh, in the olden days, uh, during the Riggins years, uh, when they were the Redskins, at the end of practice, they, they'd have a drinking hut that they would all go to, and the linemen would, would drink beers with Riggins. I think the coaches found out about it or something like that at one point. Um, but uh, they there's criticism in the media back then. You know, They didn't have social media, but th- those guys, they did not – as a team, they, they coalesced as a group, you know, they, they use it as an opportunity to be like, okay, now we're stronger. We're going to even, you know, not getting that kind of coverage every day on Twitter and, and nationally, but no, no ESPN sports center in, 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 in your face, have a taste, but uh, they still were like, we're going to come together and drink beers after practice every day in the shed. You know what I mean? So, like, it's just, I, I, I think, I think if, if Mac Jones, like you said, there's opportunities, I think a lot of, of quarterbacks too. That's about self, the journey mm-hmm. of self, 
and you have to learn about the journey of the self with the team. You know, like you only can can be that leader on the team uh, with the team. You know, you need the team to be you. And so I think quarterbacks are really one of the hardest positions to master the ego, the personal ego, the sense of people buying into you and then, um, you know, getting people to follow you. And uh, it's that's a challenge, too. So I, I'm, I'm not going to judge Mac Jones and him not tackling or trying to tackle. You know, I mean, it's, 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 it's so oh, Chandler too. Jones blessed that young man. I, I, he, it would have taken, it would have taken literally a Mack truck pun intended to take down Chandler Jones. Yes. That ball he, was never gonna, he was never going to, it was no. like, a chi- it was a child. It was like a child. Was, to bother you, you. That's why Mac Jones healed. just literally quite literally yeah. sat down in front of him. I, but I said it should be the new emblem for the NFL. Just Chandler Jones. Blessing. Blessing Mac Jones. Just right you know there. what you nailed though? You nailed there's a leadership, there's a leadership learning curve from college to the pros, right? In the college, the position almost inherently you still have to win over the the locker room, but mm-hmm. not as much. There's 120 guys in there, and you've got 50 coaches saying, you know, it's so compartmentalized and regimented. Right. There's less, you know. Pro rosters are smaller. This is their livelihood. So it is a different kind of leadership. Grown you don't want grown ass, grown ass men, you know, trying to play for straight cash, homie. So I don't fuck this it, up. Right. It doesn't like, I don't care what you did, who you did. What are you doing for us today? What are you doing for us this week? And you know, what's making us believe in you. And I will say, I am going to criticize him because I do think that fair or unfair, everybody has a cross to bear and some are heavier or lighter than others. You know, we've had a sub theme of being like, listen to these white boys sitting here complaining about life. <laughs> we're doing it from a, no, but we're doing it from a seat in a, in a, in a, of yeah. context. We're not comparing it to anybody else or any other grouping or anything. We're just having conversation kind of on a level playing field in this environment. And I think for Mac to kind of, or any of those guys to step back and say, see Brock Purdy, perfect example. There is, there's humility is the key to leadership, right? You know, when you can't be at the top of the ladder and look down at the people holding the ladder and say, what should we do next guys? Cause they're all looking at you going, I don't know, boss, we're holding you. So I think right now Mac isn't even on top of the ladder. He doesn't even know where the ladder is. He's, you know, bitching and moaning about what color the ladder is going to be. And even if he has a point, we've talked about this, two things can be true at the same time. He can have those emotions. Those feelings can be legit. He can be going, what the f- are we doing here behind closed doors? I think, you know, we talk about the Patriot way. Really, the Patriot way is just New England slang for being an adult. Patriot way is dead. Yeah. Don't I mean, talk like that. <laughs> Andrew, what's your team, by the way? The Patriots. Patriots. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you might get Tom Brady back if you want him. No, I, I don't want him back. At yeah. this point, at this at this point, we've ripped the bandaid off. I'm not putting He's it back so on. Old. You know, well, and then, look, I'm sorry. I know there's dysfunction in Tampa, but I, we we we've seen. I don't, Tom Brady is not the same anymore. And that's yeah. all right to say because he's proven that he did it without Bill. So like all the he's he's won the battle between him him and Bill. It's clear. But him coming back, I, I the only way I want him coming back is on the the honorary one day contract to retire. I like that, and that's. And that's what's going to happen. And the last thing I'm going to say, and then I'll, I'll, I'll pass the talking stick, is we're spoiled as shit here in New England. Twenty, The last 20 years, that doesn't happen in, in yeah. sport, let alone football. You don't see runs like that. Like Those are those kind of benchmark <clears throat> teams. The Atlanta Braves, even though they only got one World Series, the Atlanta Braves were the 90s and early 2000s. Yeah. Um, even the even the Buffalo Bills, even though they couldn't cash in in the early nights, these kind of runs, that 20-year run, like you said, I don't think Tom got it. I think Bill's going to get another one. He'll have the last say. I'm Team Bill, even though I was Team Tommy. That's what drew me into New England. But having a little bit of perspective, because I was born 
I was born in one of the last, it was the second to last Washington commander slash Redskin Super Bowl title. My parents talk about how hot of, how hot of a time it was in DC, you know, in the early eighties with those teams and, and they win. But there's 32 teams out there. So I don't know if there's dysfunction in Tampa or if it's just so fucking hard to actually succeed. Hashtag Russell Wilson. Fair enough. So keep, keep plugging away though, because whether it's talking about it or kicking it or throwing it, you got to keep working at it or else it will die. Back to you in the studio. Oh, yeah. I, I will say, too, when you, you talked about previously about not being able to do it anymore, um, I got married, <laughs> and so I think I was like 26, 27. I'm still playing in the turkey bowl, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I, I just I, – I the fire had gone. Like, I, I, I think I went in there. I, I you know tackled somebody, did something, and I took myself out, and I was just like – yeah, man, passion's gone for this. Like it's it was fun, yeah. but like we're three years earlier. Um, I was out there and I was like slaying people, like murdering them, like on purpose. <laughs> I mean, not dirty, not dirty either. Like we, yeah. played, we played one year. I wrote about it. I, it's, it's on the Nimble W Numbers archives. Uh, there was a guy. He was a rugby player. He was a, he was a big, huge Italian guy, and he played rugby, like semi pro rugby. And he was like twenty two or something. And and he 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 playing football with us. And the week before we come out before the Turkey Bowl, do a warm up game. We had a bunch of guys out. It was even like almost better than the Turkey Bowl, you know. And he had guys bouncing off of him. Just, just he's running full steam. People are just getting steamrolled by him for touchdowns. He scored like three touchdowns. Well, I was the fullback that day. I was leading the hole, so I would run through the hole, hit hit the linebacker. And this is stand up. This is backyard football. So if you have one lead guy, then the uh, the running back can pick up speed, and then he can destroy people you know and he was yeah. and so i took a little offense that i was not getting any due and so i was like well then you i'm gonna be on the other team so the next week i was like i'm not on Dre's team people were like okay <laughs> calm down bro calm down i was like all right and normally i'm on the line because i'm i'm a, I'm, I'm still robust but i was probably you know more robust at the time probably like 250 you know 260 i'm like i'm on the line you know i was like that and um so i i was like i know i dropped back i was like i'm playing like linebacker safety in this play and it was like the first play of the game. And I knew they are going to give the ball to Dre because I did. That's why they got him. You know, I guess guy's going to yeah. do it again. And uh, with like, I was just ready to go. And I was so amped up for it. And I knew they handed it off to him. I, I sliced in and I just crushed his soul. Like, I, <laughs> I, I think I yelled out afterwards, like, I'm going to eat your children or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, like, this is like with church guys too. And they're like, calm down. I'm just like, Next play, next play, let's go! You know, he did not run for four touchdowns that game. He did not do well. I was a maniac, and so, like I said, fast forward three years later, I'm just like, I don't believe I participate in this sport, but I still have the passion to play it. But yeah. I know my body is just like, oh, no, no, you're fat, you'll die. So, um, yeah, my 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 body now is French. It surrendered. So. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> hey, I love the French. I, I, my wife's family is French Canadian. So, you know, um, God bless them. And my daughter yeah, learned French. They speak French. So, I, oui, oui, monsieur. You know, I used to work for a French company. I had to learn French because all my design software was in French. Oh, that sounds terrible. And, and they didn't warn me about that. So, I opened it up and started to try to do work. I'm looking like, I, what? <laughs> like, what is all this? Uh, yeah. So, that was, that was fun. A lot of Google translation there. Uh, but look, we have, we've, we've come to the end of the show here. Look, Scott, you've been a fantastic guest. This is exactly, you know, why I want to have you on, why I want to talk to you. Cause, uh, the conversation was fantastic. So thank you 
so much for coming on. What do you have going on right now that you want to promote that people can find you at? Um, this is your moment right here. Well, thank you. Uh, I uh, Today was a busy day. I had <laughs> a podcast with Joe Pistier for Fantasy Pros. Uh, that was yeah. great. So go, go to Fantasy Pros. Check out their latest one. I also had the Fancy Millionaires podcast. Uh, you can go check out the Fancy Millionaires on YouTube as well. It's all YouTube, right? Go check out YouTube. Yeah. Uh, and then here for Belly Up, you know. Uh, I'm here today, so you know. Um, but uh, a nimble W numbers on Twitter, the fantasy millionaires, FF millionaires, because you can't have the fantasy millionaires on Twitter, it's not long enough. Uh, and then a uh, chalk blocked, it's every Friday, Saturday ish. Uh, it's DFS. We are talking the main slate, uh, and, and the idea of, of blocking the chalk. You you don't want to uh, eat too much chalk in DFS, uh, that that's when you uh, kind of go go with the flow too much. So uh, and we tell you not not to do that with certain players. And then sometimes you got to eat the chalk because you got to have that player. You're gonna you know not win. So chalk block uh, is on Twitter as well. That's uh, every every week until the NFL season's over. And then I'm just gonna be with my family and loving my dog and running outside. And you can watch me throw shit on my Twitter account. Uh, I like to do that. Uh, it's called uh, poop poop shoots or shit shots. I don't know. We're You've gotten to- real close a couple times. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm missing lately. I've been not doing. <laughs> Really? It's been bad. I'm not even showing the videos. Oh my gosh! I think we lost Andrew. I think he just pieced know. out on us. So I think I, I, I feel like I I feel like Sul, what was it the uh, Sully Sullenberger landing it in the Hudson? Uh-oh, and we're uh-oh. back. Thank God. I, I apparently my mouse has a button on the on the side that I didn't do anything until I just accidentally hit it, and apparently it just shuts all your windows. Uh, so I apologize for that. Always That's learning. Button. The self destruct mouse button. Yeah, self destruct mouse button. But yeah, that is gonna do it for us tonight uh, here on Divots and Pivots, powered as always by Belly Up Sports. Uh, make sure you're on the lookout. There is big changes coming to Belly Up Sports after the new year. Uh, big changes that will affect uh, this show as well, all in good ways. So make sure you're watching out uh, at Divots and Pivots on Twitter uh, at Real Mister Mallet at This Buds for you. Uh, we'll have all that coming your way. And as always, Piper Golf, uh, Piper Golf. Uh, go over and check out. Use the, the uh, discount code DIVPIV. That's D-I-V-P-I-V. And then same thing over at malabros.com. You can get uh, the the shirt the Buds wear in there, the second ball All-American Divots and Pivots shirt, uh, 10% off both of those sites using the discount code. So go check it out. And look, as always, we will be back here next Tuesday. I think next Tuesday we're going to start jumping right back into the DFS world of golf, talking about uh, talking Hawaii. about Hawaii. Hawaii. The Hawaii swing is is going to be fully ramped up, and uh, avoiding the chalk is something that we always bring up. Uh, so uh, definitely be on the lookout for that. We are going to help you win some cash. Uh, thanks again, Scott. Uh, Bud, see you next week, as always. And we will see all of you next week. Thanks for coming out. Are you suffering from chronic joint or back pain? Downtown's Healthcare in Denver offers effective alternative therapies that are non-invasive, non-surgical, and drug-free. Start your journey to a pain-free life. Call Downtown's Healthcare at 303-292-9992, now in Lowry or downtown. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 